Hello everyone and welcome to another packed episode of the Kent Only podcast sponsored by Workforce Dimensions Limited. Now we've got four more interviews for you this week including an FA Cup hat-trick hero and the man who made my co-host very, very happy on Tuesday night. As always, I'm John Phipps and on the line now is a man who, and I've been waiting three weeks to use this intro, told me off for having the music in my car too loud and for driving in flip-flops. Grandad Gerard, how are you? Well... Again, I'm not allowed to wear flip-flops because the wife says, basically, I've got terrible toes. And you drove in with your music blaring. I go, oh, for goodness sake, who is this week? When you can park in an underground car park, I'm like cowering in the corner anyway. If anybody can come around and do you in. And you got out with flip-flops. You should never drive in flip-flops. I reckon, I think there might be a law about it. If you get stopped by the police for that. I think you'll find that the, there is a... if. If you were proven in an accident that, that your flip-flops contributed to dangerous driving, then there could be an issue. But uh, it's fine. It's fine. No, no, it's, it's too soft on your feet. So, it, uh, you know, occasionally, when I've been rebellious, I've reversed off my drive with nothing on your feet. And I, I can't, you know, can't handle that because you slip in. But flip-flops, no, I would never... I would never wear flip-flops because I'll get told off if I ever did. But I would never even think about driving in them. That's just... Um, disgraceful and that music mate god dear I know I'm a bit older than you but that was just blaring it out I thought oh can't wait till my kids get the teenagers and listen to the crap that you listen to so there you go well, I can listen to my music loud before I see you because then it, you know dulls the pain when I see you so. <laughs> oh, that's, that's true that's true that's true um, apart from Barnet everything alright in, in Gerard Land yeah I've, a lot of people have come at that manifest programme you're on about yeah. I haven't got Sky bigging it up big time so have you got past episode one yet? Uh, we are three episodes in, I think, and a friend of the show, Tom Bird, has uh, been in touch. He's seven episodes in, and he says he's quite enjoying it, but it's, he's not really sure where it's going, and I can kind of see what he's saying. He's never happy, Tom Bird. Got two, he's a school teacher. He's got two hours time when he's had six weeks off, so we've got seven episodes of that. So, uh, But no, but if you're in the office here, I'm bigging it up. So um, is it basically the new Lost, is it? I think so, yeah. I think it's very much the new Lost, um, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. We are, but it's quite intense. Like you it's not one of those things I think where I'd feel comfortable like binge watching it and watching three or four episodes in a row because you do have to concentrate on it so much, and there's so much going on. I think. Is anybody famous in it? Who I would know? Uh, I don't know. Let me have a quick look. This is what Google is made for. M A N I F E. This is exciting for the listeners, isn't it? I'm googling yeah, the TV program. Uh, no, I haven't even seen that. I can't actually watch. Yeah, who might Matt Gerard know? Melissa Roxburgh. She's in Diary of the Wimpy Kid. Oh, oh there you go. My favourite film. Isn't she one of Devin Bostick's mates? Yeah, yeah, it could be. If Devin Bostick turns up, I'm watching it. Right, uh, Josh Dallas, who was in Once Upon a Time. No, I've never seen that. Is that yeah. kid's thing? Is no, no, there's no, there's nobody. Basically, a 44-year-old man would know from 80s, 90s programmes. No, but you've got, um, she was in, right, so who, she was, I'm trying to see who she was in, who she played in Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Um, she was Rachel in Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Uh, I haven't seen it for a while, because the kids have gone off that, but she's probably young now, I expect, the next thing. But yeah, that's it. But Devin Bostick, he's not in it, his career's gone down here after he dissed this. We're not replying to our Twitter, I think. So. And he forgot, to, and he f didn't renew his sponsorship of the uh, of the Isthmian League as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, he's probably working in uh, Walmart or somewhere. Um, uh, this is a strange question to be discussing on a football podcast, but real men like musicals, don't they, Matt? Yeah, I like, I like, every time I go to the theatre, uh, I say, always oh, when we come back, so oh, we should go to the theatre more. So uh, we had booked a couple of uh, theatre uh, trips 
in the really new year, which we like to be organised, we're going to see six, the Henry VIII one in May at the Marlow. Nice. And uh, and we've also got the um, Christmas one at the Marlow as well, as well as the Pantone. So yeah, I do I do like Lemis, yeah, things like, I, I do like a trip to the theatre. See, now I've been to the, I have been to two musicals in the last four days. I went to see Calendar Girls on Saturday, and I went to see Annie last night, and tomorrow night I think I'm going to see uh, the comedy play 39 Steps as well. I'm always at the theatre, me. Um, but one thing I want to say about the uh, the two musicals I've seen this week, Calendar Girls and uh, Annie. So you have to be a middle-aged woman to go watch Calendar Girls? No, you really didn't. There was plenty of, um, of people of all ages there on, on Saturday night. Um, but... In Calendar Girls uh, was the actress Leslie Joseph, you know, from Birds of a Feather. All right. Yeah. Strictly comes Some on. people say that my mother-in-law, when she had long hair, used to look like her. But right. she would never she would never say that, though. She didn't like that people said that to her. And, but anyway, Leslie Joseph was in Calendar Girls on Saturday night. Last night, same theatre, different production, Leslie Joseph is Miss Hannigan in Annie. Now, she's 73 years old. That is some talent, I think, to be in the same production, the same theatre... Two different productions, two big roles in the space of like seventy-two hours. Impressive at that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember in your lines. Did, was Daddy Warbucks bald? Yes. Uh, and he had the big red hair. No. Oh no, no, really. I really don't know if I want to discuss this. Um, All right. No, I better not. I'll, maybe we'll have an off-air okay, conversation okay, about this one. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Leslie Joseph um, did that. And I said to people beforehand, I said, well, if she does mess up and turn up naked, at least it will be something we will always remember. But she didn't. She was fully clothed and very... So this is at the local Eastbourne Theatre, is it? Yes, the Congress. Yeah, we, we seem to get the same sort of shows as the, as the Marlow. So uh, right, fame's right, on at the Marlow at the minute. It's on in Eastbourne in a couple of weeks. So that's how we kind of roll down here. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Getting also, our car off, then. Yeah, planes, trains and automobiles this week. <laughs> because, obviously, uh, we've talked about my car driving. Uh, this week is the Eastbourne Air Show. That's I love that film. Have you ever watched that film, Planes, Trains, Changing Subject? Have you ever seen that film, Steve Martin and John Candy? I think Cracking so. film, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I used to really like uh, John Candy and I was really upset when he died because he was one of those 80s, early 90s comedians that were really funny. That's was Steve Martin who doesn't seem to do much these days either. Yeah, but obviously, Eastbourne Air Show this week, so busy, busy down here. Looking forward to that. And um, I'm sure later on we'll be talking about trains as well, won't we? Uh, anyway, it is our <laughs> 87th episode this week. Uh, 87 is a unlucky number, and I'm hoping this is going to be an omen for Australian cricketers, because apparently it's the devil's number because it's 13 runs short of a century. So 87, they don't like it. So maybe the fact our 87th episode is on while it's raining laws in the second test is going to inspire England to, to ruin Australia's hopes of making it 2-0. I think they'll be happy if they get Steve Smith out for 87, I think, wouldn't they? Absolutely thrilled. And uh, finally on 87, apparently there's a drink called 87 Punch, which is, and this sounds revolting, it's not even a cocktail, a bottle of Bacardi and two litres of 7-Up. That's not a cocktail, that's a Bacardi and lemonade. Oh, God. I can't, so I've had this conversation, I can't drink fizzy drinks anymore, it just makes me feel ill. <laughs> so basically all I drink, as you know, is water. Well, my, uh, my, the worst thing I've ever drunk in my entire life was a shot of Bacardi and a shot of uh, dark rum in the same glass. Never, ever do it. If you're an impressionable child at home, that is the worst thing. I don't think I've probably ever had a glass. I've never had a Bacardi and Coke. I've never thought of the, 
I can't think of everything now. I used to drink whiskey a bit when you try to be cool when you're late teenagers, but I don't think I've ever drank Bacardi. Yeah, I missed out much. We've got so much football to discuss, so let's get on with Sorry it. Sorry about that, yeah. uh, Let's start then with the FA Cup, which took centre stage for the Scaffold sides last weekend, and nine out of 23 teams made it through to the next round uh, from the Scaffold. Team of the weekend really has to be Sutton Athletic, who upset Deal Town 3-2 to make it through to the Premier League round. A great result for the uh, Scaffold Division 1 side, Matt. Absolutely fantastic. Really, really great result. So I think nine out of 23 is... Um don't think too bad, really, uh, as they're getting through in some difficult games there. But, yeah, fantastic result for them for, for Sutton. And I think Deal thought it would be a tough game. And uh, they've done it and they've gone out, which is disappointing for Deal because they're local to me and you want them to do a run in the competition. On Saturday, they were also into Bryden Ropes, who beat Broadfield United 3-1. Gillee beat Hollands and Blair 3-1. Uh, Canterbury City came from 2-0 down to beat Greenwich Borough 3-2. Uh, and Beckenham beat Baines Park Vale 4-3. Uh, and then in replays, we had victories for Tunbridge Wells against Pagham on Tuesday night, as well as Erith and Belvedere against uh, Peacehaven and Telscombe on penalties. A dramatic night for them. Uh, but Beerstead went out in a replay on Tuesday night, and defeats-wise, let's just run through them quickly. Ballon won, Rustle nil. Punjab United's game, they lost 1-0 at home to Broadbridge Heath. Uh, it was Cray Valley PM 2, Chatham 1. Corinthian 1, Little Common 2. Lordswood nil, Staining Town 1. Irith Town lost 3-1 at Chichester. K-Sports lost 2-1 at Redhill. Wellingtown were beaten 4-1 by AFC Uckfield Town. Fisher went out 3-2 at Hamworth Villa. Um, so, yeah, disappointing. But one team we haven't mentioned there who are through to the next round are Sheppard United. And uh, Sheppard United's, uh, what we say, team of the week was Sutton Athletic. Well, FA Cup player of the weekend from a camp perspective was Sheppard United striker Dan Bradshaw who scored a late hat-trick as they beat East Preston 4-1. Uh, we spoke to Dan before on the show. I think he'd got a hat-trick then. And so we thought we'd speak to him again. So here he is, Sheppard United striker Dan Bradshaw. Saturday then, it looked like the game was just going to end 1-0 and then all of a sudden you popped up with a very quick-fire hat-trick. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was a sort of a game of two arse because the wind was such a massive factor in the game. Sort of went in at 0-0, but managed to grab one in the second half. And I think because they were pressing so much, it just left... A load of gaps open for the uh, for the team, and I was just put through, and luckily managed to managed to get a quick hat trick for myself. So, so it was nice to sort of go sort of two three nil up quite quick. We were able to relax a little bit more. So uh, yeah, no, it was good. How much confidence does it give you early in the season to to score a hat trick like that? Well, I was a little bit disappointed Tuesday night against Canterbury because I should have scored a few goals. So I was a little bit sort of. Because I, I didn't didn't score in pre-season either, so I was a little bit sort of on tenterhooks really about when I was going to score and if I was going to score. Uh, so it did give me a big a big bit of relief uh, to go into the season, especially on a hat trick like that. Um, so hopefully there'll be many more. And obviously you beat East Preston. What were they like? Obviously from a from a different league. Um, I don't really want to sound too harsh to be honest, but. I don't think that they were that great, to be honest. I think, obviously, going in at nil-nil, we were disappointed. But, I mean, the weather conditions were really bad. So, sort of on reflection, going in at nil-nil was quite was quite a good sort of half-time score for us. Um, we knew that we were going to go on and score in the second half. So, sort of looking back on it, uh, nil-nil was pretty good. But... Going, like going back to East Preston, I think I mean they were they were a right squad. They've obviously had new 
a new influx of players, new management and all that sort of thing. So probably give them the time a little bit to settle in. But I think we were quite comfortable on Saturday, really, in the end. And how good is it to, to have a win in the FA Cup? Oh, it's great. Obviously, FA Cup, I mean, just playing in it's great. Never mind sort of scoring a hat-trick in it. So I just, it's great. You sort of just get a get a, a little cup run going. It's great for the fans sort of following us, uh, hopefully following us up and down the country. But I mean, it's, as well as the club financially as well. So obviously getting as far in that cup in the cup as uh, it will be great for the club fans and players for the experience and obviously you've got an all scaffold tie the next round against Glebe at home again so that no doubt the fans will pack out home park as well but it's an opportunity uh, for you to keep going 100 percent. I mean I know Glebe have obviously spent a bit of money this year and I think they're going to be a very good side pushing for the league and everything this year so it'll be a good game I think it'll be tight game um but obviously, yeah, for the fans, they'll they'll pack out that FA Cup game, and um, that should be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. A lot of people saying that Sheffield United are one of the top three or four teams to beat this year. Has that pressure come to you in in the league so far, or do you just want to ignore it and just get on with your game? I think we just want to just ignore it and get on with it. I mean, I think a lot of hype was around us last season, and obviously, we didn't didn't do as well as what we'd hoped we'd do. Um, but I think this season, I think we've obviously we've had um, new players brought in, and hopefully we can all stick together because we've got a good squad. And I mean, I mean, I'd like to hope that we'd be up there towards the end. Do you know what I mean? So I mean, I think as a squad, though, I think we're just ignoring that sort of hype, and we're just going to go along with it week by week. And hopefully, we'll be around sort of top three by by the coming um, end of weeks. Uh, Corinthian away Saturday obviously they were second last year so that's going to be a tough one isn't it yeah it will be a tough one I mean we know what Corinthian are about just sort of setting and they're, they're, uh, sort of we've we've talked about them in, in training and and sort of past weeks so I think we are we're fully prepared for that game we know what it's going to be about and um, hopefully we can go there and play well and grab the points off them as a player, has the threat of sin binning changed anything about how you've approached games this season? Not really. Like personally, to me, it's. It, I mean, I'm not really the sort of player to get amongst the referee in that sort of manner. To be honest, so it, I have, it hasn't really affected me in any. I mean, I haven't been involved in a game where the sin bins had to be used. So I imagine the the threat of that sin bin has probably been on players' minds. But as like for me, uh, it, it hasn't really affected me, to be honest. I'm not really that sort of player. But I think it is I think it's quite good, to be honest. It gives the referees a little bit more uh, more sort of lean, um, leeway with regards to people coming up to them. And you know how it is on penalties and, and free kicks and all that sort of stuff, especially if it's quite a, quite a close game. The referees can take a bit of stick. So I think it is quite good for it to come in and and sort of give that refer- give the referees a little bit more. And obviously, finally, last year you you, you had a goal target for, for charity as well, and, and you hit it. Have you got a target this year? Uh, no, a target hasn't been put out this year. I think like, from last year, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the challenge and uh, raised quite a bit of money for a charity. But I think this year I'm just going to just focus more on the league and focus more on my own personal play art rather than sort of having a charity of um, a charity 
sort of competition going on in the back of my mind and, and all that sort of stuff. So this year, I think I'm just going to focus on uh, on the football and try and get as much goals as I can. <laughs> FA Cup hat-trick. He'll it, always be a man who's got a hat-trick in the FA Cup and he said it himself. He's absolutely delighted, Matt. Yeah, confidence striker, proven goal scorer. Interesting what he said. He couldn't hit a uh, banjo well, a cow's ass with a banjo in pre-season. He's snatching at chances and it comes one. Once you get one, you get a couple, yeah, but he's a proven goal scorer. If Sheffield are going to do well, he's bringing the man who's scoring goals. I quite liked it as well. He said about the, um, you know, he hasn't set himself goals last year. He did that great work for charity, but this time he's going to try and do it. He's talking on the pitch rather than off it with the goals. But he's, he's a proven goal scorer and a great result for Sheffield. Let's hope, uh, I suppose they've all been drawn and they've got the next round and they can uh, move forward there. But Patrick in the FA Cup, appearing in the FA Cup, absolutely fantastic for him. Yeah, as Dan said there, um, Glebe at home in the next round and that's an opportunity for, for Sheffield United they'll be looking at thinking well, we've got a chance here but obviously Glebe will be hoping to get through as well but it's going to be a Scaffold Prem side in the first qualifying round Yeah I think they'll probably be happy with the draw they've got there against Glebe at home Sheffield we know they get decent crowds um, decent side at home the fans will come out in force for that and again we've said it before getting to the first qualifying round it, is a, is a major achievement and you think you never know another draw you, you can be looking forward to go through again but should be a decent thing and it's great that we're guaranteed one there Skeffel side uh, in, in the first round or the first qualifying round proper Yeah exactly looking at the other Skeffel teams who've gone through and what awaits them obviously all the rest of the teams in the uh, in the uh, what is now the Bet Victor League come in uh, in the in this round as well but uh, Sutton Athletic are at home to Ashford Town and from Middlesex Irith and Belvedere will be away to Chertsey or Cobham I need to check out who won that replay as well um Cray Valley PM have got Whiteleaf after their win and Canterbury City will go to South Park and Beckenham Town against Ashford United will be quite a, uh, a fiercely contested time. Tunbridge Wells' reward, if you want to call it a reward, uh, they play away to Haywards Heath, which is going to be a hard tie. Um, and Brydon Ropes will be at home to Chichester City, who beat Earth Town. So some good ties in there for our Scaffold teams and, and a couple of them will be thinking, do you know what, we could cause an upset here. Yeah, I, I think that, that definitely is the case. Momentum goes in. Now they probably have a, well, at least a couple of league games to try and get some games under their belt as well rather than stopping that. They can always go the momentum from that point of view. But I have to say, Tommy Wells maybe the performance of the week. He's drawing at home on Saturday, then going away and winning in the FA Cup in a, in a, in a replay. I think it's a fantastic achievement. It's going to be tough in the next round, but... You know, they've earned some nice money there and uh, again could hopefully start their season give them a bit of a positivity going forward yeah both goals for Jason Thompson in that win uh, for Tunbridge Wells uh, on uh, Tuesday night down at Pagham and I think it was Richard Soule's first ever win in the FA Cup as well so he was uh, a happy man um, looking ahead at the Scaffold Premier League this weekend um, we've got a full programme of fixtures of course AFC Croydon against Canterbury Beersley against Welling Chatham Town against Irith and Belvedere uh, Corinthian against Sheppey United, Irith Town against Lordswood, Glebe against Deal Town, Hollands and Blair against Greenwich Borough, K Sports against Beckenham, Punjab United at home to Crowborough, Tunbridge Wells against Fisher, uh, and then we've also got games next midweek in the Premier Division as well. So, uh, Beers to go to Crowborough, it's Deal against Hollands and Blair, Irith and Belvedere host AFC Croydon, Fisher against Irith Town, Greenwich Borough against Corinthian. Lordswood against Punjab and Sheppey United against K-Sports on Tuesday. Before on Wednesday night, Beckenham Town against Glebe, Canterbury City against Chatham Town and Wellingtown meet Tunbridge Wells. Obviously, there were some games in the First Division on Saturday as well. Uh, so, very quickly run through those results. Greenways 3, Stansfield 1, Holmesdale 1, Kent Football United 1, Kellington 6, Lewisham Borough 2, 
Ross United 2, SC Thamesmead 1, Snodland Town 0, FC Elmstead 1, uh, and the fixtures this weekend in that division, Brydon Ropes against Greenways, Homestead against Stansfeld, Kenfoot United against Meridian, Ross United against Forest Hill, Rustall against Lidtown, Snodland against Lewisham Borough, Sutton Athletic against Croydon on Saturday, and on Friday night there's also a game before that, SC Thamesmead against FC Elmstead. So another packed weekend coming up in the Southern Counties East League. Um, which is always a division where you want to see goals. And I think that they'll be hoping that's the case this weekend, Matt. Yeah, some big games, early games in the doors. Again, we've said it before, it's a shame that the FA Cup and the Cup competitions get in the way of the early start of the season. But there's some games galore there. Again, the weather's not going to be too great this weekend. But rather than sitting in, if people can go and watch a game, go and watch a bit of um, scaffold and uh, action. You're guaranteed some entertainment as well. As I said before, I know somebody who's playing for Lidtown. So we're keeping an eye out for them and maybe... As the season goes on, we'll get him on the on the phone. I know last week's game was called off because it was about 90 mile wins down at Lid and the game was called off. But we keep an eye out for Lid this season as I know somebody who's, who's appearing for them. So if we've got any Lid listeners, give us a shout in and we'll try and pick you up a little bit for a couple of times. Yeah, uh, the Super 6 League for the uh, Scaffold League was was tough going this week. I got three points this weekend, uh, which puts me on, 20, on 14 overall in joint 25th position. I'm just going to go on to the second page and try and find you, Matt. Uh, oh, I didn't do it this week. Oh, so you'll have the same points as last week then? Yeah, exactly. I forgot about that. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Well, you've let yourself down more than you've let anyone else down, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the story of my life. In fact, you're not even on the second page, such as your uh, your poor efforts oh, so yeah. far. You're, you're yeah. joint 97th with your eight points so far. Uh, well, so I, need to get I need to do it again this weekend. Then you're nice, mate. I need to do that weekend, after I finish this, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Right, we'll move on then to the uh, the National League, where on Tuesday night there was a, a full programme of fixtures. Um, we will start by talking to a man whose tied are doing very well so far this season. It's not Dover Athletic. We're going to talk to Bromley midfielder Luke Coulson, friend of the show, uh, very good talker. And uh, here he is talking after their win at Aldershot last night. We've been uh, playing some really good stuff. Gaffer's obviously really happy uh, and undefeated in the first four, so... Um... Can't, can't go wrong. What would you say? I know it's early doors in this, but do you think the level is, you know, you've gone to somebody like Chorley who've been promoted, you play Torquay who've been promoted, and you've gone to sort of um, other sides of the division who know this league. What do you think the strength of the league is like early doors? It's always hard to judge so early. Um, and obviously we have played two newly promoted teams who are always going to be like chomping at a bit early to try and get into the pace of the league. Um, there's been obviously some interesting results so far um, and if anything it looks even stronger um, you know even Chorley getting a result against Fylde, um but then Solly Hull obviously beating Chorley last night comfortably so I think there'll be surprise surprise results week in week out um, but we you know we just got to focus on ourselves at the minute um, we've got another big game coming up obviously uh, you know big journey up to Hartlepool who again Got a got a good result against against Fylde last night, and probably were unlucky not to not to get all three points. We've said on the pod there that you're attacking threats this season. You, you know you, you've had a built a solid base defensively, but going forward that you've got some really a good attacking players. And has that been shown with your performances? You know you've got players on the wing, and you've got strikers who will score goals. Yeah, definitely. But I think the gaffer's obviously more bothered defensively. If we can keep a clean sheet, then you've got more chance of winning. Uh, you can still score. You know, we scored as Torquay and still drew. Uh, you keep a clean sheet. You start from start from the back. Do the basics right, um, and then you're you're always giving yourself a yourself a platform. But yeah, you know, Cheeky's been brilliant since he's come in, and Clifton's given us something different from the bench as well. Um, and and you know, we brought 
brought in Rico, who was on loan last year, and and Adam Mecky's back as well from it, from a from his serious injury. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely good times at Bromley at the minute. Yeah, you know this league pretty well. What would you say the strength of this Bromley squad is compared to other sides you've been in? Because you know, there's a lot of people thinking that Bromley a definite good chance to get into the playoffs. Do you think that's the case? Well, we've got to be positive. I hope to think think so. I think that. I was I was part obviously a very very strong absolute squad under McMahon, um, but the the unity that we have right now at Bromley and the togetherness um, and that and that team spirit is is just so good um, and it can definitely definitely you know propel us forward. Yeah, I suppose with the new um, stand behind there, Bromley are a club on the up really, aren't they? Sort of um, the background is working now; it's doing it on the pitch in a tough tough division. Yeah, definitely. You know, but that's the, we're in this league. That's the aim. Uh, we knew it was going to be hard. You know, we've been in the league for a few years now, so we know exactly what's what's coming. Um, but we, you know, we're ready for the challenge. And what about yourself personally this season? Um, what, have you got any aims and goals? Do you, have, do you put yourself as any um, uh, goal targets, etc., like that? What's your aim or assist targets? Win. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know it sounds daft. I think. Um, of course, I want to get in double figures for goals, and that's, that's my target. I'm a winger, um, but you know, last night didn't get on the score sheet, didn't get an assist, but we put in a brilliant team performance. That was part of, and we've got a win at all the shots. So that's the bigger, the, you know, that's the big picture. And, what, um, and as long as as long as the gaffer's happy with what I'm doing on the pitch, then then so am I. Hartlepool, you mentioned there the, again, a side that. You know, probably taken a couple of years to get used to this division. How tough it is! Um, it's going to be a difficult one, but you know, you, sh- you shouldn't really fear them, should you? Well, no. I mean, we went went up there last year and, and won two 0 um, and uh, someone scored a worldie. Um, can't remember if that was me or not. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. So you know, we we we've definitely got the confidence behind us, un- unde- undefeated, and uh, and we can go up there knowing that we went up there last time and won. Do you go up on the day, or is it a night before one this time? Yeah, no, we'll, I think we'll be up on the train. Um, up on the train, they look after us uh, really well. You know, we get the first class treatment and stuff on the on the train. So um, all the preparations are perfect for us to, to go up there and, and, and get a result. Talking, about, we talk about uh, Ebbsfleet, your former club. They started the season badly. Um, a lot of the players you know there have now gone. Are you surprised at the disappointing start they've had? Surprised? Um, no. Uh, to, to be bluntly yes I have some friends there um, obviously Nathan Ashmore is a good friend of mine um, and uh, you know Jack King Laurie Wilson Sean Shields Miles um, Weston they've still got some really good players um, and obviously players that they've brought in but it's going to take time to put that together um, you know they haven't played together before Gary's got to make them gel so I don't think anyone was surprised by the start they've had, but you know they'll definitely pick pick up points along the way and and and, and start to get results. Interesting, Matt. When I was listening back to that this morning, and you were talking about Hartlepool away, I was thinking, Matt, you've got to ask him about the goal. You've got to ask him about the goal, and then he brought it up himself. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I forgot. I forgot about that. That wonder goal he scored. So uh, good uh, memories for him going up there. Another tough game, but. They seem, you know, a thrill draw against Torquay was probably a bit disappointing, but they came back from that probably and a good result against the all shot side who were probably going to struggle. But if you 
going to be up there, you need to go to places like Aldershot, grind a result out, and they seem to have done that. And I think optimism is pretty high. Four games gone, I've eaten probably. Um, really, really good stuff. And as I said, we're excited for them. As I mentioned, the attack players they've got there, there's no reason why they shouldn't be in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Uh, and I think Coulson knows that he, even he will most struggle to get in the side at times with the, the, the quality in the squad that they've got the Wicks. But uh, again, the squad depth, I think, is really important for Bromley this year. Yeah, that, they are looking good. And you say, I mean, obviously it would have been disappointing to, to draw 3-3 uh, against Lockheed. I don't know if you saw the goal direct from the corner as well, Matt, that, that they scored uh, on, on Saturday, uh, Bromley. But uh, Bromley are, are a side that I think are going to get in the playoffs this year. And I, and I, and I really am looking forward to seeing how, how they progress because I think they've got so much going for them. And as you were saying, they've got players who can score goals. And that's the key thing at this level. Yeah, I think we know what Cheek can do. I know Adrian Clifton can do. Coulson there, he liked, Luke said he likes getting double figures. Mecky comes back in. You know, Jack Collins at the back. They've got a good basis of a side there, probably. So, and I think they'll be delighted. They've got some tough games. They've again, you don't know what you're going to get from your promoted sides. So they've got two draws against them, but they've beaten the Epsleets and they've beaten the Aldershots. Again, sides that may struggle this season, but they're putting them to the sword. So, yeah. I think Neil Smith will be absolutely delighted with the start they've got. If they can take it and maybe pick up a point at Hartlepool, even more, even better for them. It's been an interesting start to the season, really, hasn't it? Um, I mean, certainly AFC Fylde have had a, a, a couple of blips, haven't they? They, they? they would have expected to be doing better than they are. And then Solihull Moors, who hit six last night against the Chorley side, who've drawn against Fylde. It's, 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 uh, so far, a, a lot of the teams are, are not doing what we expect. I mean, I'm just looking at the table in front of me. Chesterfield haven't won yet. What is going on there? Well, everybody thought they would be doing that. I expect over beating them, woken them, doing it. It does look like it's, I would say, it's Solihull. Uh, we said at the start, Solihull are the team in this division. They're the side that I think, you know, if you can go somebody, the, the, the strike force they've got, Blissett, Wright and McCallum, who are absolute units and they will score goals. I would say, even though it's only four games gone, Solihull must be mega favourites to win the league and it's the rest of them to catch up on that. But, yeah... And on the other end of the sword, I thought Epsilon would struggle when we talk about them, but I didn't think they struggled that badly in the opening four games, even though they have had some tough games. I wonder what odds you'd have got on after four games, the top three being Solihull, Halifax, Woking. Yeah, it, yeah especially as we, as we tipped Halifax and Woking to be near the bottom of the division as well. So, um, But as you said, this is the National League. Anybody can beat anybody. If you, if you can get a few runner results together... You can fly up that table, and at the moment for Bromley and Dover in particular, they've had a good start to the season, and they want that momentum to continue. But for Ebbsfleet, it's gone the other way. Yeah, well, obviously we'll move on and talk about Ebbsfleet. I, I can put it pretty bleaker, not many bleaker terms than only one team scored fewer and no one's conceded more. Four games played, four defeats, three goals for, eleven goals against. Um, it's and, and Luke Coulson said there he's, he's not surprised that they're struggling, but. There are some good players there, so Gary Hill must be really frustrated. Yeah, I think he probably is. He, he's a good manager, Gary Hill. Again, we know the budget's been cut. We know there's off-field problems going on regarding the club. I thought they would have enough experience. You know, goal scoring again could be a group never really done it anywhere. Shea Booth, players like that, have they got goals in the team? And you know, last season they were resilient in the midfield when you had likes of Rance and. Um, pain in there but now maybe they're getting overrun in midfield so back to basics but it doesn't get any easier with the games coming up for them to be honest 
No, it's not. Uh, it's not been a, a great start for them. And as you say, that the games are coming, still coming thick and fast. And they go to leader Solihull, who hit six against the Chorley side, who, who were unbeaten until uh, Tuesday night. Uh, I would imagine that that one is one that people who like to put on their accumulators will be putting the name Solihull Moors in them. Yeah, but this is a national league, so you, it wouldn't surprise me if Epsi went down one there and it shows the top closes around the top of the division that how close this division is. But they need to get back to base. Epsi needs to get points on the board. Um, you know, looking back, we could probably do some homework on the side. If you lose your opening four games of the season, do you survive the, the, the survive not getting relegated? I'll we'll have to have a look back on that. But it, it may be a a difficult season for them ahead, but not to panic and sleep. But they, I think the fans have got to take into consideration where they were money-wise and where they are money-wise now. Yeah, that's your homework for next week. I would like some stats. Um, perhaps look up, see about teams who've lost five in a row as well, just to, just to be on the safe side. Um, you're pretty, you're, you don't fancy much, Solio, then? Um, no, I don't. Um, I also didn't particularly fancy Dover Athletic to win at Barnet last night and I certainly didn't fancy that it would be a last-minute goal from Ine Effion uh, that gave Dover all three points but that's what happened and uh, despite being starting the game on the bench it was that man Effion who Matt is desperate to do well uh, who came up with the winner very late in the piece and uh, after the game Matt caught up with him. Uh, it's a massive result to come here obviously um, Barnet's been doing very well um, they've won a few games and obviously we knew that it was going to be a tough task coming here but obviously we stood strong made sure we didn't concede and as long as we stayed in the game in the first half we knew that we got enough firepower to go and win the game and yeah that was it about the goal you come off the bench there manager was praising you you're holding the bottom causing problems to the defenders what about the goal it's a, a number nine finish for them wasn't it really Cross, good shot by reason and the ball fell to you yeah, it's just a follow-up, obviously, just to make sure you're just following rebounds. That's what you always taught as a striker, and luckily it just fell to me, and I just headed it in. It wasn't the cleanest of headers, but if I probably hit it clean, the keeper probably saves it. So, But it's just one of the ones that's like, we've done very well, we've grafted, and we've grafted these last few games, and we've got a real togetherness in the teams, and it's looking good. Yeah, interesting, we said in the commentary, Dave have scored six goals this season, and they've been with it all on people's heads. It's, it's a strange phenomenon, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like <laughs> We've been saying it in the changing room, all our goals have been headers, but if all the headers are winning us games, then we don't matter how the goals come in, as long as we stay solid at back and score goals, you know that we can do it. But yeah, no, it's a good team performance, and Gaffer Gaff will be happy with that you know what I mean we've got our um, first clean sheet of the season as well which is really good um, as long as we keep it solid at the back we can always go in and win games you know what I mean that's the most important thing sure enough at the back and we've done well that, with that in the first half and Gaffer said in the changing room the first half won us the game really because we showed off and we was doing very well at the back which enabled the strikers in that to go in and press for the winner What is the belief in the dressing room you're up to fourth now I know it's only four games gone but there's a definite feeling around this could be a good season for Dover yeah, 100%. There's a great belief in the team. Um, we've been doing well. We've had a really good pre-season. It was unbeaten in pre-season. And um, we, we took that into the season, really. Um, we've lost one game. It was against Dagenham. And we performed better than Dagenham. We just let him two sloppy goals. But there is a real good feel around the change room at the moment. We've got a good team spirit. Everyone gets on with everyone. Like We all work hard for each other. And that's important when you're going through this league. And what about you personally? It's good to get off the mark, is it? Yeah, it's good to get off the mark 100%. I've been working hard in games. It's just not falling to me. And you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you always have faith, belief that you've got to score goals. I wasn't having my head that I haven't scored in like three games. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a long season and you just got to keep plugging away. The goals will come as long as the hard work is with it as well. I did find it funny when he said if I'd connected properly, I probably wouldn't have scored. But I have heard your goal commentary from that and you were as excited as I was expecting. Yeah, 
I really have got a lot of time for Effie Ong. He seems to be popular amongst his teammates. He's a willing runner. He's a tryer. Um, and he got his rewards this week. And to be honest, I thought when he came off the bench and against Wrexham on Saturday, it, he caused defensive problems. He's putting pressure on the centre-halves. It's just that final effort being a striker and putting the ball in the back of that that's eluded him. But I'm absolutely delighted for him. And interestingly, somebody... Um, I know uh, I said that interview for a Dover fan and he listened back and he said, yeah, he said the right things, but maybe he's too nice. Um, maybe he needs to be a bit more aggressive. Off the, if he was aggressive on the pitch, nobody can live with him. I've told you this before. He's strong and that. Maybe he's a bit too nice on the field as he is off the field, like a gentle giant. Maybe he can put himself into, you know, throw himself around a bit, show that bit of frustration on the pitch uh, from that point of view. He can score goals, but he's off the mark and it's, Interestingly, and also the stats so far of the season, John, Dover have played uh, four games, they've scored six goals, and all of them have been with people bonces, all headers. That must be a stat. Even I can't find any better stat than that. What's the record of a side scoring consecutive games in headers? Well, that's, uh, yeah, that is very interesting. I was also just interested, looking at the league table as it just was, that um, the only defeat you've had was to Dagenham, and those two goals Dagenham scored in that game are the only two goals they've scored all season. That, that this seems very strange, that doesn't it? Well, to be honest, they have got Joe Quigley up front, um, Dagenham. <laughs> a game, a decent game against Dover. He holds the ball up, willing runner, never going to score a goal in his life. If you look back at the highlights against Halifax, he's a yard out and he basically misses the ball. So. Um, yeah, Dagenham, I thought Peter Taylor could be in trouble there. I think the expectations are pretty high there. And getting whipped three and a lot over Bourne Wood um, in your second home game of the season is not good. I think David deserved the draw against Dagenham, but um, they need to beat them. But yeah, he could be under pressure there. But Quigley, I know that Maidstone and Bromley fans would have seen it. But to me, he's no striker and that's a concern for them. Yeah, this weekend, uh, as you've already heard, it's uh, Hartlepool against Bromley. And Ebbsfleet United go to Solihull Moors. Uh, David Fettig at home to Torquay United. So that'll be an interesting one as well, Matt. Yeah, Torquay. I, mean, I think they lost the home. They've a slow start. Interesting to see Woking have you know, got promoted ahead of them. are doing better in the National League. But Torquay with Gary. Gary Johnson, he knows what he's doing at this level. Got some players in. It helps that his son's the manager of Bristol City because anybody who's half decent in the under-23s goes on loan to Torquay. Um David's record against Torquay has been pretty good. I think we've given him particularly at Crabble, it's been good. So, and as my mate said afterwards, well, you know, if we're going to stay at the top of the league there, the side's going to be beaten, arguably. But if you'd offer me a draw now, and that would give Dover, what, 10 points out of the first five games, an average of two points uh, a game, you'd probably take it. So, uh, yeah, but, and arguably after this, the tougher, the lesser tougher games are coming up after that. So, yeah, but optimism is high, and there is a good feeling about this season at Dover. Yeah, well, it's, it's been a it's been a really good start, so that's all you can can really hope for um, so far. And you obviously enjoy enjoying enjoying a different sort of brand of football as well that Andy Hessenthal has brought in. Yeah, yesterday's game with Barnet, I thought was a really good game, both tactically because Barnet had some good players, and again, if they had a decent striker, they could have put David to the sword as well. And it could be the difference this season is when we mentioned Solihull's throw attack if you've got a striker who can score goals and Dover may have it in Pavey may have it in Effion that could be the difference because Barnett played some lovely football got real tricky wingers who caused Dover all sorts of problems even though Bobby Joe Taylor really had a good game in the end and Dover's defence held on you felt if Barnett had a striker they could have won that game so that's, it, it's fine margins in the National League but Dover playing some good football even though you, if you said that they scored six goals and they'd all be headers you'd think they'd be lumping the ball into the box but they're playing some intricate football um, 
and, and it's working out. It's working out well. And Andy Hezzantala, who has got a difficult job because keeping every happy in a big squad, seems to be working well at the moment for him. And uh, yeah, he seems delighted as well. Yes, it's there's definite optimism around Dover as well. So you, and another stat, John, you know I love a stat. I worked it out this morning. Dover got to nine points last season on the third of November. How many league games did that take for them to get past the nine point mark or hit nine points? Do you know? Is that a question? Yeah, I know. I do know. Yeah, a dozen, nineteen. Wow. And that's so that shows... shows the turnaround. So yeah, uh, we made them. They went from eight points to eleven. So to get to nine points, it took nineteen games last season. So um, it shows. Indeed. Right, moving on then to the National League South. Uh, still not going particularly brilliantly for our teams. They are currently 14th, 15th, 17th and 20th. Uh, but we'll start with the success stories uh, of this week. Tumbridge Angels on Tuesday night beat Concord Rangers 1-0. Concord had won all three of their previous games as well. A last, last gasp winner for Angels. And they are off and running after three consecutive defeats. That's, that's great news for Tumbridge Angels, isn't it? Like I've had last night, nothing better than the last minute goal. Absolutely delightful. And Concord, nobody expected them to be doing so well. So it was a tough one coming there. Angels dig it in. Good to see they ended the game with um, 11 men as well. So a last minute goal. And again, I don't know how many people were there, but they were probably jumping for joy time with Angels. And that gets them off the mark. Uh, they still are, they're not in the re- you know, they're outside the relegation zone. One win. It's a tough league for them. We know all that, but that's a really good result front of the home faithful so I'm absolutely delightful concerned at time with Angels hey, so you made a, a pithy comment in there about them finish, finishing the game with 11 men have you seen the red card they had on Saturday and they defeated Dorkin no I haven't is it bad or is it no no red card um, well the, the, I've only seen a still which was retweeted and um, it looks like someone like the time Angels player was being climbed all over and somehow the referee deemed an elbow and the player was sent off it's a ridiculous decision um, but that's, well, that's, well, again, I think you know, Rex had somebody sent off against Dover on Saturday, and I thought it was harsh, to be honest. Anywhere else on the pitch, it would have been a yellow. Say. But that's the standard of the referees. And what I'm finding is, there seem to be a lot of, all the referees that I've, four games I've seen, never seen before. So I don't know if the ones who were in the National League last season have been booted up or booted down, but we've got new referees in, and uh, that may be a concern, because uh, cause I know Dover weren't particularly happy with, with the referee last last night so um, it could be they're trying to move referees up a little bit quicker they're trying to make ourselves a mark on it but definitely new re- new referees are appearing from places uh, another team who, who've made a positive impression this week are Maystone United who recorded their first win of the season by beating uh, Hungerford away from home on Saturday apparently Dan Wishart had a fantastic game uh, for Maidstone down there um, and then on Tuesday night they drew nil-nil with Eastbourne Borough which um, by every single report I've seen was an absolutely terrible spectacle Mm, Maidstone at home again. They've had two games, Weymouth and Eastbourne. Yeah, looking on paper, if you're going to get near the top of the table, you've got to be winning games. And Maidstone have got to get in the habit of winning games at home because they, they haven't done it. When, when was the last... Did they win... Uh, they beat somebody? I can't even... The last time they won a home game, I think they won one at the back end of last season. But yeah, their home record over the last 12 months has been absolutely appalling. So, um, And you still get 1,700 people turning up, which is absolutely fantastic. It may still need to give something back to those supporters, but they're in what 14th, five points off 
six points off the lead. It's still a long way to go. Maybe the side's gelling. And he couldn't see Dan Wishart, who's a good player, wanted to leave in the summer, go a high level, didn't come in, was frozen out, come back in, and apparently he's been their best player since he's come back into the side. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Welling United were, were the best of our teams last week. They've suffered two defeats this week. They've beaten 3-0 by current league leaders Bath City on Tuesday night, uh, on Saturday, sorry, and then on Tuesday night, uh, away to Billericay. And you say you love a last-minute goal when it goes for you, but uh, didn't go Welling's way. Jake Robinson with a late, late goal there. Um, against the Billericay side, who've only conceded one goal all season so far. So, Welling can probably take heart from that, um, but they'll be disappointed that they've, they've suffered two consecutive defeats. Yeah, against the sides, will definitely be up there, you know, but we know Billericay with their bath. Lost out in the playoffs, I think, last season. Another decent side, so that's an interesting benchmark to see where they're going to go. Again, work in progress, Welling. I don't think they're going to be up there this season, but you never know, but... It's a bit of a concern that the sides that maybe who above them easily have beaten them these last couple of days. Yeah, and um, Dartford, well, still just the two points. They had a good result on uh, on Saturday, really, against uh, drawing against um, having at Waterlooville at home, a team that are still yet to fire, I would say, in their three games so far. Uh, but beating four 0 at their old friends Chelmsford City on Saturday night, uh, Chelmsford side had lost four one themselves at the weekend. Uh, that is a hiding for Dartford and, and two points from four games, 10 goals conceded. Not a great start for, for the Darts and their joint managers. Yeah, I think we were concerned about them scoring goals last season, but now defensively they seem to have, you know, I think they, they conceded four on the two away games. They conceded four in both games, which is a real concern when you think that Jamie Corlan and Flanagan are defenders as well. Um, we did, I did think that Dartford would struggle early on. They need to get a win on the board. I always felt they are going to be under pressure early doors you look at the back end of last season Dartford form was poor they started this season pretty poor as well they're going to be under pressure they need to get some results and fast because what will Dartford do I'm not saying they should be looking at replacing the management but is it working for Dartford and at the moment you know as we know how tough this division is they could be sort of a long way from the playoffs or early doors by the end of the month with the three games coming up so yeah interesting times for Dartford um, I know we have. I know a guy I work with who's a Dartford fan who listens to the pod. I'll have to give him a ring and see what his, his consensus is. Well, I'm only summarising that maybe Dartford not all the way in the camp there. They need to get some results and fast. Yeah, this weekend they go to Weymouth, who, uh, as I say, beat Chelmsford heavily last weekend. Uh, while Maidstone United are at home to Slough Town, looking to get a win at home. Tunbridge Angels have a tough trip to Bath, uh, as I say, who are top of the league after three wins from their first four. And Wedding United are at home to Oxford City. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Uh, the Isthmian League is finally off and running. Uh, well, it is for our Premier League teams anyway. Um, but only, well, only Margate are the only one who's played twice. They've drawn twice. A 2-2 draw at Hornchurch last night, following a 0-0 draw at home to Brighton Sea Region, where I understand it was pretty windy on Saturday, Matt. Yeah, I didn't actually think he went to Hornchurch last night. He thought... He's apparently the wind definitely win the game on, on Saturday at Hartsdown Park, but he was quite pleased with Margate there. Performance: Cadell Daniels scored two free kicks to um, get them up, get them up and running. He said they play some nice football. He thought Hornchurch have had the goal. He said on early doors, but definite signs for optimism. He's a bit concerned defensively about Margate. It looks like they gave away a couple of sloppy goals, but going forward, he thought they would would be a threat this season. So two games, two draws, unbeaten. Um, I think he'd be quite happy with that, Jason. As Hornchurch always. Horrible place to go when you're miles away from the, um, uh, the supporters around the athletics track, and you don't really know 
I think the wind, the wind has been an effect, and it'll probably be a factor this weekend as well for some of our sides. We'll probably expect in the middle of August you're playing on, on decent weather rather than hurricane, whatever it was this weekend. Well, indeed. Uh, folks in Victor, though, they had no such problems on Saturday. 2-0 win uh, against Worthing. 516 people at the Fulix as well. Jerson De Santos and Ira Jackson with, with the goals. A, a good start for folks in Victor. Decent crowd as well, Florida, yeah. Ira Jackson, you know, we've had him on the show. Um, had trials with Dover. Big, big season for him. Santos is a good player as well. We'll score goals at that level. Like all Neil Cugley's side, they're always going to score goals. And the, with the players, they've got Draycott, you know, proving level of that. Defensively, are they strong enough? Good test for them tonight because they've got great wonders, haven't they? Well, exactly. And Cray Wanderers do nil-nil at Kingstonian on Saturday. I think that's a good result as well because Kingstonian have obviously brought in Hayden Bird from Merston. who took them to the playoffs. He's brought a lot of players with him as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I think that that's a good start for Cray Wanderers. And I was chatting with Sam Denley on, on the radio Monday night and they've strengthened well, Cray. And I think that they're going to have a, a decent season. And that game tonight against Folks is a good yardstick for Tony Russell. Yeah, I think it's about good drastic for both sides, really. Um, Folks will be up in the playoffs. Cray Wonders, I see a lot of people are actually telling Cray Wonders to go on and win this division uh, this season, which um, will be interesting to see. They have got pro players who played at a lot higher level in the National League, the Murphys, your Phipps, etc. like that. Some really good things. But yeah, I think that'll be a good game there. I, I expect goals in that one. Cray against Folks and Victor should be a game if it's not blowing a Hooli again, which may have ruined it a little bit. It's a decent game to probably uh, uh, this evening. And, uh, um, yeah, I don't know if we'll, we'll, if we'll give the score up, we'll give it out next week. But uh, definite, both sides, I think, are going to have good seasons. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this weekend as well, it's Kingstonian against Margate and Folks and Victor at home to Leatherhead and Cray Wanderers host Corinthian Casuals on Saturday. And then there's no Premier League, Premier Division games next midweek, apart from on Wednesday night, Cray Wanderers against Margate. So uh, that'll be interesting. Well, there's no other games. No, what are they doing that then for? I've got no idea where it's come from, but there were no games on Tuesday night in the Premier Division. Wednesday, the 21st of August, Craig Wanderers against Margate. I don't know if they've had to move it for, from another date or if they've decided that they want to play it then. In fact, it looks like they might have even moved it forward from the Bank Holiday Monday next week. So is there something to do with Bromley being at home as well, perhaps? Could be. Could be. So the Margate only play one game. I suppose you'll be playing Wednesday and Saturday rather than Saturday and... And Cray Wanderers do play in the FA Cup next Saturday as well, so I guess they would have wanted to get a league game in um, before that. But yeah, it looks like that yeah, game should have been played on Bank Holiday Monday and they've moved it forward. So that is an interesting one. We'll look into that. Anyway, finally, finally, the uh, Bet Victor, is that what it's called? Bet Victor South Eastern League starts on Saturday. The teams will be... You didn't get a tweet off Victor Meldrew, did you? Uh, he's not on Twitter. Didn't so get a tweet, get a tweet off him. How Something must be. There must be. There must be somebody really to be Victor Meldrew on Twitter. Is him? I'll see if I can find a Victor Meldrew then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you get him to say, yeah, yeah, I love the Bet Victor League. Brilliant. If he does that, then we can call it the Victor the Victor Meldrew the Lynch Meldrew Lynch Meldrew League. I mean, Lynch Meldrew League. Yeah. So anyway, finally, it starts on Saturday the Southeast Division of the Isthmian League. Um. It, hopes are high for everyone as you'll hear in the interview you're about to hear I think that probably every single manager in that league at the moment thinks oh we've got a we've got a chance of having a good season I caught up with one of those managers friend of the show now Herm Bay manager Ben Smith the anticipation uh, has uh, sort of reached its highest, uh, highest level uh, for everyone really at the club um, you know 17th of August is a start date for the league yeah it seems like it's, uh, we've been waiting ages for it to happen obviously seeing all the other clubs start their leagues um, you know two or three games in 
for some of the leagues. Um, you know, it's really, really got us excited seeing those games, and you know, we're, we're really looking forward to Whiteleaf on Saturday. Um, the good thing is we go Whiteleaf uh, Saturday, then it's Phoenix Sports Tuesday. You know, there's a good run of games very quickly. Um, so we'll sort of see where we're at. Do, do you think it's it's an open league this year? I'm mean, looking at it. I reckon there's probably 15, 17 managers at your level all thinking, well, oh, we've got a chance of the playoffs at least this year. Yeah, but I say you, you probably think that in the scaffold, you probably think that in the Ryman Prem to a degree. Um, it's, you know, early doors, it's the complete unknown. Um, you know, we've we've made loads of signings because you know we had no side there when we when we joined. So it's a it's a completely new um, squad that we've put together. Yes, there's you know three or four here, three or four there that have played together before, but as a collective uh, squad, you know it is brand new. Um, so for us, it's you know it's, it's really going to be a test in the first month or so to see how quickly we can get the side gelled. And, and I was going to say, how, how do you go about gelling? Have you done some team bonding as well as playing all your friendlies? Yeah, so we've, we've, we've had a uh, couple of bits of team bonding in there, team meals, quizzes in the meals. Um, you know, we've had a few of them singing um, and we'll continue to do little bits and pieces um, as we go. I think it's hard to just say, right, we're going to have one day of team, team bonding. Um, you know, some things take time to, to sort of naturally sort of progress. Um, and, and sometimes it's, you know, result will, will bring a team together. Um, you know, we had a, a horrific result in pre-season against Rochester. Uh, no disrespect to Rochester. Um, but as a side, you know, the level we're at, we, we should be beating in pre-season. You know, we, we come unstuck. Um, and suddenly, you know, there's arguments in the dressing room, which, you know, can be a good thing and, and it certainly from that, that mark onwards in pre-season you know there's, there's been a lot more sort of togetherness and unity and, and that will continue as we go um, you know Rome wasn't built in a day and you know as much as we think we've made some really good signings you know it, it will take time um, it'll take time for the players to get to sort of know what each other does and you know and you find out who the characters are in the dressing room um, you'll certainly find them out when things aren't going well I know managers never like to single players out, but I'm going to put you on the spot anyway. Um, obviously, you've made a lot of signs, but Zach Hans is one that's going to stand out, isn't it? Of course. I mean, we wanted to, really, we were looking at it for the season, right? Can we go under the radar? You know, you know I think the, the model that Hayward Heath had last year, you know, they went under the radar and suddenly they're in the playoffs and everyone's looking, well, who plays for Hayward Heath then? And, you know, none of the names that stand out as like the, the big names in the league. Um, but what they did there last year was phenomenal. Um, reaching the playoffs and, you know, they've kept a lot of those players as well, so they'll be a side that, that will look to go, to go one better this year. It's, a size, it's not always about names. On the flip side of that, obviously when, when someone like Zach becomes available and then you feel like actually we've got a chance of getting him here, it's one you can't turn down. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm hearing figures bandied about, that, you know, what he's getting, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which are ludicrous. Um, but you know, a player like that, you know, we had to try and do all we could to get him. Um, and to be fair to the chairman, you know, he's coming to the club and he's pulled off an amazing signing, um, and it's really sort of wet the uh, fans' appetite. Um, and brought some some optimism at the club. Um, you know, yes, we'd like to have gone under the radar. Um, signing Zach <laughs> probably go, is the complete opposite of going under the radar. Everything we've seen from him from minute one of him coming down training, um, or even from us meeting him, um, 
before we signed him. Just, you know, his attitude is just absolutely top class. And it, you can see why he's been at a level um, that he's been at in, in the past because, you know, everything about him is just, is, I can't speak highly enough um, from the six weeks we've been with him. Um, and I know from speaking to our players, managers, they, they say exactly the same thing. Um, so we've we've certainly got some firepower there now with Zach. Um, but, you know, there's other signings there that maybe Zach's overshadows. Um, but we're hoping that they 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 can sort of uh, find the limelight during the season because um, they've certainly got the ability to. to. Have you, for you personally, obviously, you were managing the scaffold last year. But I, I don't see a massive difference in standard between the, the scaffold and, and the Bostic or Bet Victoria, whatever it is now, um, South East League. Do you think that that is kind of the case? Because I think Cray Valley, for example, will do quite well and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, as I said, I think probably the top half sides of the scaffold and the bottom half sides of the, the, uh, the Bet Victor League. I'm, I'm, it, there's not going to be too much of a difference in the sides. You know, you probably have, you know, the additional bits of quality that um, the better players have got. Um, but generally, I think you know it would be much of a muchness. It's when you look at the sides that you know potentially were in the the, the top ten this year or from last year. Um, that's when you see a real different sort of golfing quality. She say, um, you know, Cray Valley. I'd expect them to do well this year. Um, obviously, we've, <laughs> we've, I'm sick to death of Craig Valley, but um, <laughs> we're going to be in the same league again. Um, and, yeah, I expect them to do well because they had a side last year that could have performed really well in, in the Bet Victor. Um, so you expect them to go in there. They're settled. They've added players to what they had already. Um, so it's, yeah, it's very different for them than it is for us. We're throwing everyone together and hoping it, it sort of works. Um, you know, so it's going to be an interesting one. I, mean, I think we played them early on as well. Um, so, it's, again, really good test. I don't think there's an easy game in the league, um, which makes it even more exciting. You know, it's not a game that you can't get up for um, or you shouldn't be able to get up for as players. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a real test and it's a test for me as well, setting up from Scaffold. Um, as much as I don't think it's going to be that big a jump, but, you know, in, in, in one sense, in another sense, you know, it is the unknown. Um, and, you know, you want to test yourself against the best sides, your hives, your Hastings. You know, it's, it's going to be a real test of uh, sort of our management team as well as the players. I suppose, obviously, if, if things hadn't happened as they did at the end of last season, you might still be in the scaffold. But I guess all that's behind you now and you can't wait for the future at Herne Bay. No, of course. Um, you know, end of the day, things, things go on in the past and you've got to put them in the past and you've got to look forward and move on. And, you know, that's what we're, we're doing. And our, you know, our sites are firmly on progressing Herne Bay Football Club. And what, what potential do you see at Herne Bay? They're a bit of a sleeping giant the last few years, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of you know, well-publicised uh, off the off the pitch issues going on, uh, financial problems. You know, so it's, you know, we've, we've gone in there and it's, again, it's not, not just throwing a few players together. There's a whole new setup behind the scenes. Um, so from top to bottom of the club, you know, there's, there's a lot of change. Um, the good thing is, as you say about Sleeping Giant, the supporters there are fantastic. Um, they've really, really embraced um, the, the new regime, should we call it. Um, they've, they've really got behind and been really supportive of myself and the players so far. Um, so it's, it's important that I felt that we gave them something to be really optimistic about. Um, when you have supporters come out and saying, oh, do you think we can, uh, we can be in the top half this year? And now we're really looking forward to it. Where can we get a shirt from? And, you know, just hearing those things just tells you we've made a good start. Um, but 
you know, it's only a good start. Um, we've got to make sure we, we carry that out on the pitch now, um, you know, and continue to be solid off it. Um, because so many times you, you see clubs that, you know, get a good side together and then off the pitch it doesn't work. Or, or vice versa, off the pitch is working well and then, you know, they go through 15 managers. Um, so it's about stability at the club and, you know, expectation this year is, you know, is can we give the fans something to be excited about? Um, you know, I don't think it's any more or any less than that. We're not going to say, well, we want to be in the playoffs or, you know, we're going to go and win the league. Um, but, but the other side of the coin, we're not going to say, oh, we're going to be battling for relegation. If we start to, you know, is a bonus. Obviously, it's not. You know, we want to get them fans excited um, and give them a good season. Optimism's high at Herne Bay, Matt. Yeah, I think... Um, he is a manager that's very confident in his own abilities. He comes across when we've met him uh, that he can do a job. I liked it when he mentioned the players have had a bit of a bang already. I think he probably likes that, that the players get aggressive sort of with each other they can work well together and the jewel in the crown could be the striker that they've just signed. As we, uh, as Zach answer. Again, we score goals for Hythe, and I think when Sam Denley said to him, you know, they know he's going to score goals, you feed him, he will score. Um, but have been sort of gone down the route of kids before, but now they've got experience in. Can they be riding high at the um, right end of the division? I think if you uh, speak to Ben Smith, he's pretty confident that his side could be up there. It was interesting the way that he said to me there a couple of times. He said, we, you know, we were hoping to go under the radar this year and just build a team a bit like Hayward Heath did, who no one had really heard of and, and didn't really know who the players were and get in the playoffs. He said, but then when Zach became available, it was like, well, we've got to try and sign him. And, and, you know, like you say, he will score goals. No matter what the scenario is, he will score goals. And it's been a couple of transitional years for Herne Bay. Obviously, they went down the youth route. Um, it worked well for them the, the two years ago. Not so much last year. Change of manager. And now they've got in Ben, who's obviously passionate. It, it's not a big step up, I don't think, but from the scaffold to, to this league. And I, I, I don't see any reason why Herne Bay can't be one of those teams. And, and Sam Denley, when I, when I spoke to him Monday night, he said Herne Bay are going to be a, a threat. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the Kent sides going to be a threat this season in this division. We've seen it before that maybe it hasn't been dominated by the Kent sides the last couple of years. But I'm thinking this year, the sides you've got in there who've got a little bit of backing, uh, a little bit of experience, got players coming down to that level. Um, I think they... I'll be shocked if a Kent side doesn't win that division again. Well, I know Craig Wanders run it last year. Sorry? Put the I, I, on the line. I, say who? Who's going to win it? Ashford United. Ashford United. Tommy Warrillow, another friend of the show. I think um, his experience will get it. Um, again, the heartbreak of the playoffs last year went on a decent run, but you could say Ramsgate, you know, bit of back in this year. They've got Northern Ireland International in their squad. You know, Herne Bay, um, Cray, Cray Valley, we know what they did last year, very confident side. So, yeah, I expect the Kent side to win this division. I know um, people are saying Chichester might be the side to watch out for, but it's going to be a really competitive division this year. And I expect a, real, a Kent side Kent to dominate that division. I'm going to go for Ramsgate. Who are you win. going for? I'm going for Ramsgate to win it. Uh, I think Hive Town and Ashford will also be up there as well. And... I don't see any reason why there can't be three Kent teams in the playoffs, at least. Yeah, how many do we know? Again, I know I ask this question all the time. How many going up? Two? Two, I think, yeah. 
Well, indeed, yes. Uh, but before that, on Saturday, the opening day fixtures, Burgess Hill against Hive Town, Cray Valley PM against Hastings United, Faversham Town host Guernsey, Ashford go to Phoenix Sports, it's Ramsgate against Chichester, Three Bridges against Seven Oaks Town, Whitehawk against VCD Athletic, Whitstall Town against Sittingbourne, and Whiteleaf against Herne Bay. And then on Tuesday night, as Matt said, Ashford United against Ramsgate. Uh, you've got Hastings United against Faversham Town, Herne Bay against Phoenix Sports, Hyde against Whitstable, Seven Oaks against Whitehawk, Sittingbourne against Cray Valley, and VCD Athletic at home to Three Bridges. Um, that's pretty much it then to to go through the divisions. It's gonna it's exciting. I'm, I'm glad that everybody's finally getting underway this weekend because it's been so silly to have to wait this long, hasn't it? My concern is looking at the Armageddon of the weather today, Friday and Saturday. Um, we're not going to see games called off. I have been to a game in August when I got there for the radio. It was Faversham game, and it got called off because of waterlogged pitch. Could we, could that happen? this weekend hopefully not that these sides can get going because it's a long long break but um, really I know we speak to managers quite a bit on this show they're all excited to get going the fakeness of the pre- of pre-season is all over so excited so I didn't even mention Sittingbourne in there um, Chris Lynch again really excited he's brought the players in gone for the youth method we're looking to see how they get on as well so all in all very exciting time just hope the, guy, the games do get carried Kept on, but I'm concerned about the weather this weekend. Yeah, and also, um, we when we talked about the, the Barnet-Dover game, you said it was a good game, so did, that didn't distract from your train spotting, did it? Uh, yeah, I do, apparently, Cannons Hill, it's on the Jubilee line, every two minutes a train went past, and when there were two trains sort of going past each other on the senior track, it, it was really quite enjoyable there so I did I'm not really a train spotter but I quite it's sort of something a little bit different when you see a train go past it, well, was about there... it. and when they and of course the darker it got the, the, the trains had their lights on so which I thought was quite a romantic scene was there anyone uh, any train going past as, as Big Innie was running away in celebration uh, no I only had eyes for Innie on that occasion uh, from that point of view so yeah, yeah. and it's good if you do follow that again uh, uh, well, Oh, the Dover fans actually tweeted. They took them, you know, you see people videoing games. So if you look on Twitter, I think it is, there is actually action from the um, the actual goal going in. But the more important thing is how excited 150 Dover fans got that they actually won a last-minute goal. It doesn't matter what levels are. It could be the Champions League final. It could be anything. But aside, scoring late to win a game, there's people hugging people. They probably would never hug people. And that's, that's why we do this pub, because that's why we love football so much. Exactly. Uh, so you've got talkies. Is this your last game before your before your break on Saturday? It is. Yep. So I've got uh, a break on, on that. So so hopefully that well, well I won't be putting my shorts on this weekend because I've been in my luggage. But uh, yeah, it's uh, last game before we break. So uh, a welcome break. But I'll try and record the pub before I go away anyway, John. Yeah, don't forget to take your flip flops on holiday as well. I'm not allowed. Um, I'm getting ready to go to white trainers, mate. You know, I'm solid white trainers. I'm pretty boring, so uh, that's what I get. If, if I turn up in flip-flops, the wife would not be happy. Well, uh, thanks to everyone. Particularly for the ones you had. They were a bit garish as well. Oh, there's nothing wrong with my flip-flops. I'm, I'm, no, a, no, fashion- no, no, no. I'm a fashionable man, mate. Really? Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Monday night, just gone, I was on the radio. I was joined by Sam Denley and I spoke to Dan Kelly, uh, the manager of uh, Sutton Athletic, after their victory in the FA Cup. So that was very interesting. Uh, uh, You can listen again to that via the BBC Sounds app. Uh, This Monday, we're going to be talking Bromley uh, and 
something cyclocross, is it? I'll have to look that up. For cyclocross, yeah, as well. So a bit of information in there, hopefully. Um, and we'll talk about yeah, bits and pieces before we go um, every Monday from there on. So we exactly. um, can't get enough of each other, can we? We really can't. It, how exciting. Every Monday, every Wednesday, it's just like a, it's the ultimate bromance. Um, and I'm allowed <laughs> to wear flip-flops, so there you go. Um, yeah, but thanks to everyone for listening. Don't forget to get in touch with us on social media, at Kent NL Podcast uh, is where you can find us on Twitter, at Kent Non League on Facebook. Uh, thanks as always to our sponsors Workforce Dimensions Limited uh, for their support with the show we do have some exciting things lined up with them uh, in the coming months uh, and also thanks of course to all of our guests Dan Bradshaw um, Luke Coulson Innie Effion and Ben Smith for giving up their time to talk to us there's so many interviews I've even forgotten who we had Matt but yeah thanks to all four oh, of those people we're, we're the player of the week are we going for Dan Bradshaw oh we've got to go for Dan Bradshaw got for to player be. of the week yep, so yeah congratulations Hero. Dan yeah Yep, Kent Non-League Podcast Player of the Week. Yep, that is a, a, a fine prize. Maybe come the end of the season, we'll be seeing, we might even be nominating a Player of the Year. We might even rock up at an awards ceremony. Never, ever. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, we'll definitely do that, yeah. Yeah, never know. Uh, yeah, so thanks everyone for listening and we will speak to you all next week. Those flip-flops and those shorts, mate. Totally out of order. <laughs>